0: WHHH Indianapolis. It's open lines with Cameron Riddle on Hot 96.3. One, two, two, three. Hold up.
1: And good morning to you, Indianapolis. I am Indy's newsman Cameron Riddle coming to you live from the hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC studios in downtown Indianapolis on what has been a beautiful weekend. Almost 80 degrees in the Circle City yesterday. I hope you got a chance to go outside and enjoy it. I know I did. I was out on Mass Ave uh, for the first time with no mask on. Uh, everybody having a good time. All of those businesses were just jumping with people outside for the first time. Hopefully, everybody was vaccinated, or mostly everybody was vaccinated, so that we could have that good time that we literally have not had in two years. It has almost been two, actually, it is two years to the day uh, since uh, the state of Indiana was put on state of emergency when we got our first case of COVID. Two years ago today, it began two years ago this week. School shut down, March Madness was canceled, and now right on cue, two years later, we are somewhat getting back to what is a real, actual normal. I tell you what hasn't changed is that we've got a good show for you here this morning on Open Lines. Uh, In just a moment, we will have our very first conversation with Cindy Carrasco. Uh, She's been a longtime attorney who has got into uh, probing white-collar crime. She's worked under Governor Mike Pence and Governor Mike Holcomb, And now she's got something new that she wants to do, and that has become the prosecutor for Marion County, the largest city and county in Indiana. She wants to make some changes. As you know, we had Ryan Mears on the show back in December, and that's when he first announced that he would be running for reelection. And so uh, I am thrilled that we get to have the person who wants to do things differently. We'll talk with Cindy Carrasco. You and I will be asking her questions coming up this morning until about 8:30, and then after 8:30, we will begin uh, with the morning of hot topics and open lines, where we just talk to you. All that and so much more coming up this morning on Open Lines. But first, let's get you caught up on what's happening today in the news. <laughs> As Russia continues to invade Ukraine while trying to survive sanctions and consequences from the United States, it is now being reported that WNBA superstar, Brittany Griner has been arrested in Russia on a drug charge. According to the Associated Press, Griner was arrested last month at a Moscow airport after Russian authorities said a search of her luggage revealed a vape pen. The alleged crime could carry a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison. The United States State Department has now issued a do not travel advisory and is urging all US citizens to leave Russia immediately. Well, if you haven't noticed, gas prices are quickly rising and that is due to the ongoing crisis with russia invading ukraine according to aaa on friday the average price for regular gas in indiana was three dollars and 82 cents well that's about 44 cents higher than last week's price and now this morning gas prices around indianapolis are right at 3.99 It hurts me to even say that, and of course that has been seen at dozens of gas stations across the city. Some of the cheapest gas listed as of last night was 375 at the Phillips 66 there at Kessler and Lafayette Road on the west side. The IMPD officer who was shot and injured in the line of duty last week is asking for get well cards. Patrol officer Thomas Mangan is a first year officer who is still in the hospital after being shot in the neck while responding to a 911 call in Fountain Square. IMPD says Mangan suffered significant damage to his Adam's apple and voice box and has undergone several surgeries. You can send those get well cards to 1150 Shelby Street, Indianapolis, Indiana 46203. That's 1150 Shelby Street 46203. It has been a beautiful weekend and the forecast today. It is going to be nice too. Partly cloudy skies with a high of 63 degrees. Monday will bring some heavy rain showers and a high of 45 right now. Well, we're already at 63 degrees, so it looks like the high is going to be about 70 degrees. I said that backwards right now. It is 63 degrees in India. At 805 this morning. It is time to talk with someone who's ready to make a difference. She's already made a difference in in the legal world and is now ready to go to the elected office. As you know, Indianapolis, like many other large cities, like other large cities across the country, uh, is having its fair share of challenges. Among those challenges, of course, has been COVID. But uh, the other C for the past two years has been crime. As you know, we ended last year. Uh, with record-breaking crime numbers here in the city of Indianapolis. Repres- I actually, mean, Let me clarify, record-breaking homicide numbers. Uh, so far this year, we are on a downward trend for the first uh, two months of the year as we are now officially in March. And so far, uh, numbers are down from where they had been at the pace we had been going. So that's good news. And I know that's just one of the reasons um, why Cindy Carrasco, Has decided she wants to throw her hat in the ring. She is uh, going to be running unopposed uh, in the May primary, as is uh, Democrat Ryan Mears, also going to be running unopposed in the May primary. So what that means is, ladies and gentlemen, we have a race already between Cindy Carrasco and Ryan Mears for the November 2022 election. If you were with us at the end of 2021, you know, in December, one of our last shows, we had Ryan Mears on where he announced he would be running again. And now for the first time uh, this morning, here is his opponent, Miss Cindy Carrasco, who joins us for the first time on Open Lines. Good morning, Cindy.
2: Good morning, Cameron. Thank you so much for having me
1: on. Absolutely. So glad uh, to have you here and to uh, let the folks know who you are. You know, we know just a little bit about you. You've you've been into white collar crimes and you've been working uh, as an attorney uh, prosecuting those. Uh, well, I shouldn't say prosecuting, but uh, advising, being counsel to those. And then also working under uh, Governor Mike Pence and Governor Eric Holcomb. What makes you decide, you know what, I want to be prosecutor now? Well,
2: I I have to tell you, first and foremost, again, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on this show. Um, I'm really looking forward to our conversation this morning. Um, You know, I've had a lot of really great experience um, working in government for several years. Uh, I've worked with a number of different administrations, and I've had the ability to really make a difference advocating for Hoosiers across the entire state. Um, And while I'm an attorney and I've, you know, been a government uh, practice attorney for a lot of years, I've also been a resident of Marion County for almost 20 years. And my family lives here. My daughter lives here. And I've seen our city uh, really uh, suffer from the public safety crisis over the course of the last, you know, two to three years. And it finally came to the conclusion that I needed to be able to do something for my own community in my own backyard to make a difference. Um, I want to um, address the high incidence of violent crime and repeat offenders that Marion County is seeing. Um, You know, we talk about that as an issue, but I want results. I want results for our community. I want results for my family. I want results for all of the families here um, in Marion County, and you know the prosecutor is the leader um, when it comes to public safety crisis. Um, the prosecutor's got a really a direct connection in linking all the stakeholders, and and I think we can do better.
1: Uh, Cindy, I. Did. Uh, well first of all we got a technical issue it's a little staticky when i'm hearing you now before it was crystal clear i don't know if you moved to a different part of the house or uh but yeah. there's, there's a lot of background noise like a fan or something behind you um, huh. if i tell you what if if it's not if you haven't moved um we won't go anywhere just hang up and redial this number sometimes the connection d- does that dial that same number and you'll pop right back up on the radio Okay, sounds great. Yeah. I'll do that. Okay, she's gonna do that. I'm gonna sit here and talk for ten seconds. We're gonna hang up. And as soon as the re- the green light flashes green, we know she'll be back. Sometimes technology does that. Okay, there she goes again. Okay, Miss Cindy Carrasco, are you back?
2: I'm back. Is this better? That's
1: way better. <laughs> that's it's funny. almost like you're in the room. I don't know. Technology just sometimes <laughs> it it does that. Sometimes. Okay. Um, thank you for solving that problem. Uh, that's just one of the problems that I know you want to solve. So let's talk about last year. Um, one of the biggest things that um, is a criticism of any elected official, and, and especially the prosecutor that we've heard over the past year, um, has been the high rate of homicides and the the rate at which, um, as critics would say, the repeat offenders go back out onto the street and and, and in some cases— uh, commit a violent crime is 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 that a issue that is that something you take issue with and, and how would you change it
2: you know that's that's exactly um, the reason that I'm running I'm running for this office um, I don't know if you if you heard in my previous response um, I, I I've seen our city really suffer from um the high incidence of violent crime and repeat offenders. And, you know, I was watching as this was unfolding over the course of the, like I said, the last two or three years. And it, it is it is very much my focus um for for this position. That's why I'm running. I want people to um I want people to feel safe in Marion County. And you know, violent crime is hurting our community. Um repeat offenders are hurting our community. In, in, in prosecuting violent and repeat offenders is the prosecutor's role in really bridging that gap between violence our city is experiencing and safety. Um, that, that is that is my focus. People are dying and I want that to stop.
1: How do you fix the, the repeat offender issue? This is something that the FOP and Rick Snyder they talk a lot about, saying it's the same people getting right back out there. What what do you do differently?
2: Well, you know it's interesting because i've I've spent the um a good amount of time, not just since my announcement, but even before talking with people across Marion county and I can tell you that I repeatedly heard um stories about people being out um, on repeat offenses um, immediately after being arrested, and it has become an issue that is very common. And so, you know, you hear the idea that, um, that this is really not an issue that in fact, people are not repeat offenders and being let out immediately. And and that's, that's absolutely not what I'm hearing. And I think what needs to happen is the prosecutor has to set the tone. Um, and the prosecutor has to make sure that it, they're evaluating every single case and understanding what exactly is going to be the best solution for um, for that particular case, and that takes work. That takes individual um, analysis of each case.
1: Uh, we're on the air this morning with Cindy Carrasco. She is the Republican running to be Marion County's next uh, prosecutor. Uh, Cindy, when we had uh, Ryan Mears on, one of the things that he he's been a champion of over his his course in office. Uh, has been reevaluating things like uh, marijuana charges, as well as, um, you know, other things that are not not nonviolent crimes. Uh, And so that uh, people aren't getting locked away for a long time for for a longer period of time than some people get locked away for a serious violent crime. So where, is that where do you stand on that? Would you reverse things like he's not prosecuting uh, certain amounts uh, of marijuana? Where do you stand with that, um, as well as other nonviolent crimes?
2: I, I think what you're asking about is really prosecutorial discretion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, prosecutors are given the discretion to make decisions Um on a case by case basis to ensure that justice is served given the circumstances of that particular situation. You know, I, I, I plan on using um, common sense when I'm making charging decisions. What I won't do is um, make a blanket edict about a certain category of laws because that's, that's not what the prosecutor's role was, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you have prosecutorial discretion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will take a common sense
1: approach. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air uh, this morning uh, to talk with uh, Cindy Carrasco, who is running to be Marion County's uh next prosecutor, of course, against the incumbent, uh, Ryan Mears. Uh Cindy, what is something um, you know that you want people to really understand if they take nothing away from Nothing else away from today. What will the one thing you want them to know about you is?
2: You know, I want them to know that I'm in it for the right reasons. Um, like I said, first and foremost, um, while I may be an attorney, a government um, attorney, a private practice attorney, I'm a mom and I'm a resident of Marion County. And, you know, I I believe that every single person should have the opportunity to be able to Um, be successful but when we're facing a public safety crisis we can't have those opportunities and you know when we came to um, Indianapolis my husband and I almost 20 years ago we chose to live here in Indianapolis we are Hoosiers by choice I love this city and I want to make it better and I want to make it better for my kid and I want to make it better for everyone else um, so that we all have the opportunities to to be better versions of who we are
1: Let's go to the phones, 317-239-9696, so that the voters can talk to the candidate. Uh, Let's start with the caller on line three. Uh Uh-oh, oops. I just hung up on Cindy because I didn't lock it in. Uh, Cindy, just call right back. Okay, there she is. Hang on. All right, hang on. Let me do this, and then let me do this. Cindy, that was totally my bad. No problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you for calling right back. Okay. I got you I got you locked in, so that's not gonna happen again. Okay, caller online three. Good morning. You're live on air. Who's this?
3: Hey Cameron, how you doing this morning? I'm
1: good. Good morning, Paul. How are you?
3: I'm doing well and I want to say uh, greetings to your guests and everybody's listening. Uh I got a couple of I got a couple of uh, quick questions. Go for it. Uh for the pros- for the person running now uh when you guys are making these decisions about the repeat offenders are you actually communicating with the offender to find out why why they're offending and uh i know this ain't going to happen but i would like to see them stop selling bullets because if we stop selling bullets then we can stop people from killing each other uh but we already know because of the revenue uh, that generates from these these sales, but it should be outlawed. Bullets should be outlawed. Uh, and I just think that if we communicate more with the people that's actually committing these crimes, instead of saying that they committed a crime and this is your punishment, why are you committing these crimes? Would you or your new office have something set up to speak with these people uh, to find out how we can get them on the right track? So that's my comment today, and you guys have a great day today.
1: Thank you so much, Paul. Mm
2: -hmm. Thank you so much for that comment. Um, I I would like to follow up and say, um, you know, I absolutely believe that um, my view is any person's interaction with the criminal justice system Mm -hmm. is really an opportunity to be able to to course correct, to um, make things better. And I um, absolutely agree that I think it's, a matter of understanding what's creating the issue and addressing it appropriately. So, yeah, there is absolutely something to that. 317-239-9696,
1: 317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air this morning. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hi there, Cameron. Good morning, Larry.
4: Well, you know, uh, this candidate is a Republican, you know, and Republicans are in charge in the state of Indiana, right? There's no doubt about that. And uh, if she's sincere, truly sincere, she can make changes because she you know what's going on now is mitigation. And that's always arbitrary. I mean, that makes people lose confidence in our legal system. She can actually get in there and see what's going on if you don't already know and go to the legislature and have the laws change. That's what needs to happen. I mean, you can't say that uh, we're going to prosecute you for drug driving. We're not going to prosecute you for drug driving. And and one more thing, uh, Cameron, I'd like to see the breakdown, the demographics of the people who are getting these diversion programs and are going to the assessment center rather than going to jail. I'd like to see the breakdown on that and see who's actually benefiting from this uh, mitigation that's going on in our city right now. I mean, we need to change the laws. Uh, All right. Rick, he, he can't do that because he's not in the control of party. All
1: right. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. All right. Let me go to the next call. Caller online, too. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Good
5: morning. I'm Michael. Hi, Michael. You're live I'm, on the air. Uh, I'm from Florida. Uh, me and my husband are from Florida, and we moved to Indianapolis. And I like to see a change in the crime rate of the children. It like kids are killing people here. A kid killed my husband in April um, of last year.
1: I'm sorry to hear that.
5: And he,
1: his crime,
5: the punishment that he got was less than seven years. And I don't think that's fair. I, I believe that if we give harsher crime rate, harsher punishment to misdemeanors who are killing people, um, things will change.
1: Well, you've got someone on the, on the phone right now who's running to be prosecutor. And again... Uh, my condolences for what's happened to your family. What would you like to ask her directly or or having gone through something uh, that hopefully no one else um, has to go through? What would you ask her to do differently if she were in office?
5: If a child murders somebody, keep them as an adult, and everybody else was seem to follow suit, and they realize that killing people will be wrong.
1: Thank so. you so much for the call, Michael. I appreciate it. Uh, Cindy, what what do you think of of situations like that?
2: Well, first and foremost, um, my condolences as well. It it is situations like that that really have driven. Jump in the race, I um, I I hear stories after stories of of people who have lost loved ones and that's got to stop. The violence has to stop. The killings have to stop. Uh, that's why I'm in it it's 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 really life and death
1: Three one seven two three nine ninety six ninety six three one seven two three nine ninety six ninety six caller on line three good morning who's this good morning camera good morning i'm
6: calling because i wanted to ask the uh candidate i wanted to know what her thoughts are it was interesting the very thing that the gentleman talked about uh about harsher sentences for young people My concern is, one, I wanted to know her view over the uh, juvenile justice uh, courts being sent over to the adult courts because that is definitely in the makings. I was in a meeting uh, last uh, week, and they were talking about not only... The juvenile courts coming over to adult court, but also putting a morgue in there. My thoughts on that is they're stealing the hopes of the community by putting all of that together. You know, I had uh, one of the uh, officials that came from the mayor's office tried to pep it up and say, "But oh, we're going to have a family. Uh, we're going to have a family center put over here too. So a family center to look out at the jail for the adults and children." Uh, and and a morgue. Uh, how hopeful does that sound? And so I want to hear her thoughts over having the juvenile courts put with the adult court, and this proposed putting the morgue over there as well. In addition to uh, this, to me, there's more looking at we want to we want to support more incarceration instead of the education of children and creating wraparound services where they can have healthier uh, uh, support to become productive citizens as opposed to how we lock them up sooner. So I'd like to hear her views on that. Thank you.
1: Excellent questions. Ms. Carrasco, to you.
2: That, that's an excellent um, excellent question, and I'm glad that you're raising the topic because I do believe that there is a significant investment that needs to be made in our youth. Um, They are the future of our city, and I think we need to have a holistic approach to how we approach or how we address, um, you know, crimes that are committed by juveniles. We need to make sure that we do educate, that we take every possible um, opportunity. Like I said before, um, an opportunity with the criminal justice system is the chance to intervene, to course correct, to get folks, um, especially our young kids back on the right track. I do think there needs to be hope. I, need, I don't think that, um, you know, putting people in jail and be, becoming um, just absolutely more aggressive when it comes to longer sentences for juveniles, but I do think that there's a holistic approach that needs to be um, uh, applied to juveniles to make sure that uh, there's accountability for their actions, that they were able to course correct so that they have a chance at a better life.
1: So do you agree that they should be in the same uh, building, in the same complex, whereas things now, they're they're separated? Should the juveniles be over with the adults?
2: Well, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily a a unilateral call for the prosecutor to necessarily say, here's what the whole organization is going to – how we're going to organize – um but i do think that it's important that if they do move over there because of whatever reason mm-hmm. um that we take an approach to make sure that um there there's there's hope there's hope for uh, for kids
1: let's go to line 1 Th- two, three, nine, caller caller online i said 231s 239 2399696 caller online 1 good morning who's this hello
7: Hello, good morning.
1: Good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this?
7: Yeah, my name is Jabril.
1: Okay, what's on your mind?
7: What's on my mind is I want to contribute to what the gentleman talked about um, offenses for people being locked up for, you know, stuff like marijuana and all that. My thing is I've been locked up in jail for a whole year for a crime that I didn't commit for me to be found not guilty at the end of the day I've been able to meet and you know encounter different people in jail. It's not about the crime why they're being locked up. It's about I wanna know what is the candidate is trying to do or gonna do about the programs of these offenders being locked up and after being locked up released to the street. What are the programs out there for them to do better? Because trust me I'm speaking from experience. That jail is never programmed to help anybody. It's programmed to break everybody. Mm. So now I've committed a crime for instance when I'm being punished for it. I believe I'm supposed to learn and know my right from my wrong. But after coming out, there's no room for me to even do better, even when I have become a better person in the sense that I committed the crime from drinking and driving or whatever, I get out from jail, I have this background check thing, I can't get a job, I can't drive, I can't do all that. How would that person be able to change when the person is already on the leash?
1: Mm.
7: So mm. it's not just about the offender committing the offense again. It's about what is the plan for them when they get out, when it's out commits a crime by just taking something from the fridge and you tell the child, don't do that again. I believe every parent will still pat their child out. This is the reason why I told you not to take this thing in the fridge in the first place. So the child will have an opportunity to decide to do right because you have been given an option. But this time around, somebody commits one crime in the first time of his life, You, Mm -hmm. you punish the person, release the person out, the person doesn't have an opportunity to go and work again and he has a family to feed. He has a life to he wants to educate himself more and he can't even afford to something or anything because he has an embargo on his head.
1: So thank it's you.
7: It's not about committing the crime all over again and again. It's about mm-hmm. what are the programs while I'm being locked up, while I'm released to the streets, what are the opportunities I have to better my life.
1: Thank you so much, Nicole. That's a that's a, a that's a powerful Everything you said is 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 extremely powerful. The most powerful thing I've heard this morning. Let me let me ask Ms. Carrasco. Thank you for the call, Cindy. J- j- exactly to his point. What what do you do for the people who are either first time offenders or they get out and now they're they're once they're out, there's nothing to help them. All jail right. did was break them. H- how do you change that? Well,
2: that's that's an excellent point, and I'm glad the gentleman raised that. Yeah, exactly. You know this is a holistic approach. It's not just about at the front end with uh, making common sense, case-by-case case, charging decisions. It's also about making sure um, that once you get out, you have the opportunities. And, you know, um, the legislature has, uh, through their second chance laws, have provided the tools for prosecutor's office to team up with uh, reentry folks to make sure that we are not just uh, you know, holding people accountable, but we're also making sure that they're on the path to be able to um, to provide for themselves. You know, Governor Holcomb had banned the box for offenders. There's expungement laws. Absolutely, those are tools that I would plan to use um, as prosecutor to make sure that it's not just at the front end and charging uh, decisions. It's uh, what happens after to provide um, folks a better path to to be able to to have an opportunity to make a better life for themselves.
1: Do you see the need for for programs um, that help get people on the right track after they leave jail? Do you see the need for that?
2: You know, there's always a need for more resources, and I think that um, any program that or any other programs that would be available to make sure that we provide folks and equip them with the tools that they need to um to be able to to have a chance of making sure that they have a productive uh, life after you know they've, they've they've done their time yes absolutely
1: how do you feel about uh you know there are certain things you know certain charges or crimes that you end up you know your license is suspended or you you can't drive well then how can that person get to work to feed their family as the caller just mentioned you know, then they end up having to do something illegal to put food on the table. How do you feel just about those types of punishments uh, when you're out of jail, you've served your time, but now, well, your license is suspended or or whatever?
2: Well, you know, um, everyone is is better than the worst decision they've ever made. And I think that, um, you know, the legislature has provided tools to be able to, for the prosecutor to be able to, um, hopefully address those situations because it doesn't make sense that um, somebody would have to then commit another crime just to be able to drive to work to make ends meet. That that is not the goal. That doesn't help. Um, you know our end goal of, of opportunity of making people's lives better. And I would use those tools um, 150% to make sure that um, that we give people the opportunity. <laughs>
1: Let me ask you about two things specifically that Ryan Mears is, is, is doing. One of them is he has uh, teamed up with the Boys and Girls Club to make that a place uh, for, for young people who have, who have committed some, some sort of crime to put them back on the right track. Rather than send them uh, to the juvenile center, whereas the co- one caller just said, doesn't do anything to help you, breaks you. Uh, he's, he's sending kids to the Boys and Girls Club where we know what they're doing, we know what they're not doing, more importantly – um, and, and that is helping to put them on the right track. At the same time, you know, when it comes to blanket policies, uh, Ryan Mears says when it comes to marijuana, and I bring this up because the caller mentioned it, um, he says uh, if it's less than an ounce and someone has less than an ounce of marijuana on them, he's not going to prosecute that. From him, that is a, a blanket rule. Is that going to be a blanket rule for you? I know you said everything's on a case-by-case basis, but being that there is a blanket rule in place right now, would you continue with that blanket rule or would you change it?
2: Well, again, I go back to, um, you know, prosecutors have discretion. And, you know, when I was inspector general, I worked with prosecutors across the entire state. In fact, I worked uh, the most with Marion County prosecutor then Terry Curry. And we both shared the philosophy of, of common sense approach, you look at each case, and then you make a decision, and you decide what best fits this case. That's the whole point of having prosecutorial discretion, and so I um, I I don't believe that it is the prosecutor's role to make blanket statements about. Um, about certain laws, I will use prosecutorial discretion to make common sense decisions. And, um, and and that's that's what I'll do.
1: and when it comes to teaming up with um, and thank you for answering that, you gave a clear answer on that. Um, when it comes to you know teaming up with organizations like like the Boys and Girls Club, is that something that you've looked at? What do you think of of the job he's doing with that?
2: You know, I absolutely think that especially with our uh, our youth as I said before it, it is an opportunity for us to be able to from a very early stage um change the course of of our youth to to be better and I will um partner up with all anyone in the community who wants to help um you know our youth uh, it put them on the on the, on the right path. I think that going along with putting them on the right path is making sure that they know that there's consequences for their actions, and how we address those consequences can be by putting them into programs that's going to teach them about being um, being uh, being productive and putting them on the right path, understanding um, and filling you know fulfilling their needs.
1: Let's go back to the phones. We got lots of people trying to get in. I got people sending messages saying the phone is busy. They can't even get in. So let's let's blow through some calls here real quick. Caller on line one, you're live on open lines. Who's this?
3: So, Cameron. I'm gonna make this quick because okay. I I don't like to double up. I just wanted uh, to kind of opposite of what the guy was on earlier saying. I wanted to ask this question: When is a felon free once he pays his debt to society? When is he free of the criminal justice system?
1: All right. Thank That's
3: the only you. question I have. All
1: right. Thank you. Ms. Carrasco, to you.
2: Again, I keep coming back to the um, critical that we use uh, the second chance laws that the legislature has um, has instituted because once someone served their time, you know, it it is um, it is about making sure that you're able to to move on with your life, because, again, I keep coming back to everyone is better than the worst decision they've ever made. And we, we need to be able to um, to give uh, opportunity to to become uh, productive members of uh, our, our 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 daily lives.
1: All right. Let's go to the next call. Caller online too. good morning. You're live on open lines. Who's this? Good morning. Good morning.
2: Okay, yeah,
8: so I have a comment about the youth, uh, several comments. The first comment is uh, the youth have access to guns and drugs, and we find them, we can't even identify them, meaning they don't have no IDs and you know the attitude of a youth. So I propose that we ID, we need to ID our youth. I mean, this is real. When you pull them over, they, they got weapons and things of that nature, and we can't even identify them. So they need, like, some type of identification card school-aged children, and then on that identification card, it refers to who their uh, guardian is. And there's a number to several of their guardians, where it's granny, mama, daddy, uncle. And I think that'll prevent, uh, not prevent, but maybe curb a lot of what's going on because a lot of the crime that's going on right now, uh, I'm sure everybody sees trending with our youth. And, again, if it's, there's accountability uh, beforehand, like uh, I guess we're more pre- um, doing things beforehand and we know who they are and we can kind of go back to to the parents beforehand and that makes her thing secondly i have a question for the uh um, candidate what would we do with um i know indiana don't really have a hate crime type situation but when citizens uh encounter those situations what would you what, what are your takes on that like we had a young man last year Uh, I think was in Martinsville and just doing his thing. He's riding through the woods and he's hemmed up by some other citizens. So what those types of situations occur more often than not, believe it or not. And then lastly, um, police officers that don't adhere to policy, meaning there's inconsistencies in reports and things of that nature. So, you know, I could go on round and round about, but those are the three things that I'm concerned about. And I'd like to see uh, candidates take on that.
1: All right, thank you so much for the call, Ms. Carrasco. Back to you. Yes, um, you know, I think you uh
2: raise an excellent um, an excellent issue in hate crimes. Um, you know, hate crimes absolutely. Uh, listen, I I'm I'm a minority. Um, I'm I'm Hispanic. I understand um the the uh, you know, I understand how um, you know, uh, hate crimes are so important um, to our community. And I would very much intend on making sure um, that if there is a hate crime situation, that it is addressed um, properly, because um, again, I'm, I'm Hispanic. I don't look just like other people. I completely understand um, those situations. Now uh, with respect to um to you know what exactly uh, I would do with respect to um, to the identifications uh, for juveniles. I think any suggestions from the community like that are absolutely wonderful because one of the uh, hopes for me is that I'll continue to hear from you. I invite you to go to my website at cindyforindy.com. Whether or not you agree with everything that I'm saying, my purpose here is to start a dialogue because I want to hear from you. I want to talk with you. I think it's um, important that I hear from what your suggestions are, what you're seeing, because um, I'm going to need your help. Uh, Curbing this public safety crisis is, is a big task, and it's going to take every single one of us
1: uh cindy i know i told you 30 minutes do you have time to, to stick around for a little bit longer because you got a ton of calls coming in sure okay all right we'll, we'll keep on for uh for some more time here um mo tep i don't know if uh, one of our listeners is trying to been trying to get on so he's tweeted me this um and i'm going to ask you now because you just kind of got on the on the topic of minorities and on twitter he says uh ask your guest how does she explain that the black men are six percent of the Marion County population, yet over fifty percent in jail. And we know that all studies—we know that from all studies—that crime is done equally by all races. Uh, that's from one of our listeners on Twitter. Again, he says six percent of uh, black men make up six percent of the Marion County population, but they make up fifty percent of the Marion County jail population. How do you explain that?
2: I mean, I hear you Uh, again, I um, we know that criminal justice reform is is really long overdue. Again, I'm Hispanic. I I understand how, um, you know, violence, uh, violent crime affects us all and often uh, disproportionately just as evidenced by the numbers that you you talked about. Um, That's why I want to be prosecutor, because I think the prosecutor is the person that needs to lead. They need to set the tone to bring those community and safety leaders together so that we're addressing um, you know crime in a uniform way um so that we can actually create some of that um, criminal justice reform um that is is necessary
1: we've got a lot of calls coming in 317-239-9696 317-239-9696 i know the line is busy if you're hearing my voice through the phone that means you're one of the next couple of people we're going to talk to if you're hearing the busy signal just keep trying hang when somebody hangs up press dial let's go to back to the phone's caller on line three good morning who's this you're live on open lines hello
9: hi this is danielle smith
1: hi danielle how are you
0: I am good. So I
9: was we got to get you game, on the
1: like, show here soon. By the way, I know you have a something new you're up to.
0: I know, right? So of course I was calling in reference to the domestic violence in the city mm-hmm. to see uh, what was the plan in reference to prosecution. We know that um, the repeat offenders uh, are like high when it comes to the domestic violence gun killings within uh, our city. To see if uh, what what is the ideas or suggestions when it comes to domestic violence and the repeat offenders and and trying to to curve what we're seeing within the system
1: thank you so much for the call miss carrasco to you
2: thank you so much for bringing that um issue up because it's an issue that's very i've um i've done a lot of research and i've done a lot of um of really um I guess analysis about violent crime, and what I've come to the conclusion is that domestic violence is um, some of those issues, or one of those criteria, I guess, or where if we address domestic violence, then early on, then perhaps some of the uh, violent crime that we're we're seeing um, can be prevented. I would very much have a plan to make domestic violence a uh, focus in an effort to curb uh, violent crime at the earlier stages. If we're addressing domestic violence issues from the very get-go, then um, violent crime that we're seeing escalated to homicides will hopefully um, also be curbed.
1: Cindy, can you stay with us till 9 o'clock? You might as well at this point. Yes,
2: absolutely. Okay. Oh, thank you.
1: Okay, I forgot to do the most important thing which is go to commercial and pay some bills here at the radio station. Um, So, because we've been having such a good conversation here. So, uh, Brandon, let's go ahead and um, go to break here, uh, and then we will come back uh, more of our conversation with Cindy Carrasco, who is the Republican running for Marion County prosecutor. She's going to stay with us until 9. If you're on the phone, stay there. Keep calling if you hear the busy signal. If you hear the radio in your phone, you're coming up next. We're back in just a few moments.
0: Back to open lines with Cameron Riddle on Hot 96.3.
1: Right, and we are back here on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. We're going to spend the final 10 minutes of the show uh, continuing our conversation that we've been having this hour with Cindy Carrasco. She is running uh, as the Republican for Marion County prosecutor. We're going to go back to the phones after I ask my last question, uh, and then we'll go back to you, the listeners, with your callers. Uh, Cindy, uh, let me ask you what is the biggest difference between. You and Ryan Mears. Besides the fact uh, that he's a Republican, you're a Democrat. He's a man, you're a woman. You're white. He's you're Hispanic. What is the fundamental difference between you and your opponent?
2: You know, um, that's that's a great question. I I have to tell you that the fundamental difference is that I will bring about change. Um, I have leadership experience. And I will bring leadership to um, to address this public safety crisis that our city is facing. Um, that's that's the fundamental change. Or fundamental difference is leadership.
1: All right. Let's go back to the phones and let the folks ask some questions until nine o'clock. So let's go. caller her on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. You're live on the air.
9: I want to talk about the elephant in the room, and I'm not talking about Cynthia, and that is that we had a mass shooting in Indianapolis, and whether or not it could be prevented is immaterial because it could have been mitigated through some of these uh, red flag laws that I've been reading about. And I think that that is a very big problem. If we have laws that are supposed to help and protect in these types of situations so we don't have mass shootings, especially ones that, once again, impact minority communities, and we're not using them, and then we become, you know, top news stories and national news stories about what's happening here. I don't want our name flashed on the media for things like this when we could be splashed on the media on a national stage for leading the way in changing how we even view the criminal justice system as a whole. So what, what's our plan for that?
1: All right. Let me ask. Uh, thank you so much for the call. Cindy, of course, that was a big thing with the FedEx mass shooting. And Ryan has got criticism saying that uh, he misread flag laws because the shooter's mom had uh, got in touch with the police and FBI to say, hey, something's not right here yet. And still, we had several people killed. Is, what did he? Who, who made a mistake there? And what would you have done differently?
2: Well, you know, um, the caller is exactly right. It is um, the red flag law um, in the FedEx shooting is um, very much a reason why I decided to jump in this race, because um, there was an opportunity to prevent, to use a law to prevent a tragedy that affected not only the victims, but also um, in this case, the the shooter. Um, and I, I have to tell you that it, it is it is it is a missed opportunity. I'm very much about prevention and using every tool that the prosecutor's office has, and there are many to prevent crimes. Red flag law is one of those tools, and it wasn't used, and as a result of that you've had loss of life from all accounts when that could have been prevented. So what asked, would you
1: have done differently?
2: I, I would have pursued the case. I would have pursued not only that case, but the cases that were filed subsequently um, after um, the FedEx shooting that had been sitting for at least a year, I would promptly follow up and make sure that those cases are filed with the judge i would do my part to make sure that these cases come before a judge and the judge can make a determination about whether or not uh those uh those weapons should be returned uh to an individual
1: all right let's go back to the phones 317-239-9696 caller online two good morning who's this you got 30 seconds because we're getting down to the end of the show is that me that is you. Thank you. I've been sitting here about to eat up this
10: phone trying to get on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am Thomas Ridley. I'm the director of a program called One Like Me. And uh, briefly, I did 22 years in a federal prison. I came out and started a reentry uh, program. And I was really concerned with the young man who called in and said that he had uh, no jobs, no anything like that. We are so good at what we do without bragging and blowing my own horn that we get people jobs before they get out of prison. If you call my company on on Monday and say you're getting out Friday, Wednesday, I'll have you a job. We also have a bifurcated program where we do mentoring, where we mentor uh, mentees, and we have an outreach program. Ryan Mears attends our outreach program every time we have it, he's in there working. We have over $250,000 worth of tickets, fines, and fees dismissed. Um, we deal in everything from drafting resumes to uh, to getting people snapped, dealing with their housing, uh, their driver's license, uh, expungement, um, uh, screens, You name it, we're doing it. There are people out here in the outreach business that is really serious, but people don't know it. Reach out to us. Talk to us. Again, my name is Thomas really. My Thomas Ridley's One Like Me. My telephone number is 317-794-8563, 317 794 Get to us. If you are, are without a job and you're a felon, I'll get you one. If you have someone coming out of prison, have them call me and let us get you one so that we can get you straightened out before you get in trouble again. Let's stop this recidivism.
1: Thank you for the call. All right, uh, let me just try to squeeze in another because we're down to the end. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Is this me? That is you. Who's this? Hi, this is Sheila. Hi, Sheila. You're live on the air. What's on your mind? Turn your radio down for me just a little bit. Okay.
0: Um, I just had a couple of quick qu- comments.
1: Okay, can you do it's it in just, less than a minute?
0: I'm going to try. Okay. Um, I feel like in a, in this system where it's geared for everyone to – go back to jail, or be incarcerated because there's money to be made, what would be done about people who, because they live in a high-crime area, that are profiled by the police as criminals who are arrested repeatedly because of where they live, only to have the charges dropped? And then when you get your police report, they have all those arrests on there, and people don't want to hire you. You may not have been incarcerated for when you were arrested, but they look at that like you're a troublemaker because mm-hmm, you record. don't get a job and you don't get your money back. You paid to get bonded out.
1: So you're asking, you know, when when at the end of the day, you weren't charged for any crime, but yet that arrest is on your record. What do you do about that? Because that's holding you back, right? Yes, okay. I think
0: that that should be just dropped. When they drop it, it shouldn't be on there.
1: Okay, let me ask Miss Carrasco as we wrap up the show. Uh, Cindy, is that something that's in, in your purview? I understand exactly what she's saying. When that arrest—not the crime, not a charge, not a prosecution—but an arrest is on your record—is there—is that under your office to make sure that's not there to wipe that, or, or do you see that as an issue?
2: Well, you know, um, uh, it's—I really appreciate uh, raising this this topic because. It goes to illustrate, this is kind of coming back to marijuana. Um, you know, the, 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 the blanket kind of rule of I'm not going to um, charge uh, marijuana, low-level possession marijuana um, situation, it doesn't take care of the arrest that may or may not happen. Um, and so just like the caller said, you've still got that on the record. Um, and it is uh, affecting uh, the perception that you are, like you said, you've you've been in trouble before. So that's that's the first thing is you don't you may not have the charge, but you're still going to have the arrest. What I can say is, you know, jail is not the answer for every situation. It's important to um, understand that consequences may look differently for different people based on the situation. Maybe it's mental health uh, treatment that's necessary or drug treatment or a problem-solving court is the best way to address the issue. At the end of the day, the goal is to make that interaction with the criminal justice system better, and how we do it is um, is the key. So can, case- can you
1: take that—is that something that could be taken off a of record? Is that—I know you're not in office yet, but is that something that could— that the prosecutor's office can control getting those arrests off the record.
2: Well, I think it's a matter of, um, again, looking at each case and whether or not that particular case ends up in a, um, in a conviction or not. So it depends on the circumstances.
1: All right. As we wrap up, cause we are over time and I apologize. My apologies to Al Sharpton, cause I'm cutting into his show. But last question before we go, you're going to be, uh, no matter what happens, uh, if you're elected, uh, you will be a Republican, uh, prosecutor can you work with the indianapolis's democratic mayor and their democratic city county council can you guys work together or or, or is there going to be dysfunction
2: listen i will work with anyone anyone in the community who wants to make our community better i'm in it to make a difference and whatever uh your politics are I will work with you if your goal is to make our community safe. All
1: right. Cindy Carrasco, who has made her first appearance on the Open Line Show, thank you so much for uh, coming on, starting our week, and and introducing our audience to you. Cameron,
2: thank you so much. Visit my website, cindyforindy.com.
1: All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Open Line Show. I'm Cameron Riddle. We'll be back same time, same stations next Sunday, live at 8. Have a great day. Get outside. It is nice. Bye, y'all.